Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. And welcome to episode 415 of the Michigan Sports Truth Post Game Edition on Talk Show. Taylor Phillips, follow me on Twitter at DT2Phillips. Lois Tenor, our national sports reporter. Like and share the Michigan Sports Truth Facebook page. Michigan got destroyed. The Wolverines lose to the Nebraska Cornhuskers 72-52 to at First National Bank Arena. Michigan shoots just 37.5%. They get outscored in the paint. I can't find the uh, numbers on that one, but Nebraska went on an 18-4 run. Early in the game, Oh, boy. And the stats don't look too good. The Wolverines coming into that game 23rd rank. They shoot 37.5% from the floor. 22.2% 22.2% from three. Nebraska shoots 55.3% from the floor and 45.5% from three. The Cornhuskers shot a lot better than the Wolverines did. The Cornhuskers had 12 assists. The Wolverines only had six. Wolverines were 6 of 10 from the free throw line. Nebraska, 15 of 23. That's 65.2%. That's better than Michigan, 60% even. Plus, the Wolverines turned the ball over 12 times compared to Nebraska's nine turnovers. And the Wolverines also got themselves into foul trouble. 19 personal fouls on the maize and blue. Only 14 on the Huskers. That's all despicable. Only one Wolverine going into into double figures. That's Chris Matthews, 15 points and eight rebounds. Mo Wagner absolutely bottomed out, scoring only two points, seven rebounds. Muhammad Ali, Abdul Rahman, nine points. Isaiah Livers with eight. Xavier Simpson with three in the starting lineup. That, That is atrocious. 
Orleans dropped to 16 and 5 and 5 and 3 in the Big Ten. Nebraska Cornhuskers improved to 14 and 7 and 5 and 3 in the Big Ten. Michigan is off until Thursday at 7 on ESPN2 when they visit the number three Purdue Boilermakers. Considering tonight's game, that, that game next Thursday is going to be ugly. Ugly, I mean. Michigan. That's you can't you can't get burned like that after beating MSU on the road and being Maryland at home. Yes, you've lost to Purdue at home by one point, but not without effort. A lot, not without a lot of effort. You put up a fight against those Boilermakers at home, but you got killed at Nebraska. And you're sure going to get killed unless you play better at Purdue. Again, it's pretty simple. So, on tap for tomorrow is the is the Indiana Hoosiers Michigan State game. Spartans host the Hoosiers Friday at seven on FS1. Pistons and Wizards at Little Caesars Arena at eight on both Fox Sports Detroit and ESPN. That said, I guess Ed's not Ed Smith's not going to show up. That's okay. I guess he fell asleep. I'll, I'll, get, I'll just give him the week off. What do I care? Now it's time for Lois to Norris National Sports Report. Let me take it away. You got it. Okay. We'll start on the ice as we normally do. And it starts off like this. It was a was a pretty big battle back and forth between the Rangers and the Sabres. But the Rangers pull it out 4-3. to three. Big game, big game there, and the go-ahead goal was within within three minutes of the third period. Avalanche are leading the Sharks five to three with just a minute and twenty to go. And but and but I I wouldn't count this out yet because you know how these two play. <laughs> uh, 
Penguins and Kings are tied 1-1 in the second with 4.32 to go. Uh, Tara Hall comes through for the Devils in overtime win over the Capitals, 4-3. Uh, my girlfriend will be happy about that one. Bergeron pulls through for the Bruins, leading the Bruins to a 5-2 win over the Islanders. Flyers escape the Maple Leafs in overtime, 3-2. The Blue Jackets uh, handled the Stars in a shootout final, 2-1. Blues had no trouble with the Senators, 4-1. As they scored three times in the second period to put that game away. The Golden Knights are still hot as they beat the Lightning 4-1. to yep. The Predators edged the Coyotes 3-2 in a shootout. <laughs> and Smith's shootout goal takes the... As Smith's goal takes care of the win there. And that's about that. So, now that we've taken care of the scores, let's do the standings. And it goes... Like this. All right, in the Eastern Conference in the Atlantic Division, Lightning are still at 65 points at 31, 11, and 3. Bruins are 26, 10, 8, 60 points thanks to that win tonight. Maple Leafs 25, 17, 5, 55 points. Your Red Wings 18, 19, 7, 43 points. The Panthers 18, 19, 6 at 42 points. Continuing on down the line, the Canadiens are 18, 21, and 6, 42 points. Senators, 39 points at 15, 19, and 9. And the Sabres, 11, 25, and 9, 31 points. Just getting worse. In the Metropolitan Division, things are shaping up like this. The Capitals, even though they lost to New Jersey tonight, are still in the lead at 60 points at 28. 14 and 4. Devils pick up two more important points at 24, 12, and 8. 56 points thanks to tonight's win. The Blue Jackets are 26, 18, and 3. 55 points. Rangers with a pretty good needed victory now at 53 points at 24, 17, and 5. At least I thought it was important. The Penguins are 24, 20, and 3. 51 points. Flyers 21, 16, and 8. 50 points. Islanders thanks to that loss are at 50 points at 23, 20, and 4, and the Hurricanes are 20, 17, 8 at 48 points. All right, now the Western Conference in the Haas division in the league. We start off with the Central with the Predators at 60 points at 27, 11, and 6. Right behind them are the Jets at 59 points at 28, at 26, 13, and 7. And the Blues are right behind that, are also tied for damn points, but they are at 28, 17, and 3. Still, it's close. Stars, 56 points, 26, 17, and 4. Wild, 53 points, 24, 17, and 5. Avalanche, 51 points, 24, 16, and 3. And Chicago, 22, 17, and 6, 50 points. And this is what I call a wild division. Ooh, I'm not kidding. All right, Pacific Division. Golden Knights, still impressive at 30, 11, and 3, 63 points. Sharks, 54 points at 24, 13, and 6. Flames, 25, 16, and 4, 54 points. The Kings, 24, 15, and 5, 53 points. 
Ducks, 51 points. 21-16-9. Sharks. Uh, Oilers, Oilers, excuse me. 23-3, 43 points. Canucks, 18-21-6, 42 points. And the Coyotes, 10-28-9, 29 points. Ugh, awful. All right, so now let's go to tomorrow's games. And there's quite a few of them. And the schedule goes like this. Your 7 o'clock games are... Actually, no, it's a 7.30 game when it starts. There are two 7.30 games with Vegas at the Panthers, the Canadians at the Capitals, and the you know, local battle, the Kings, take on the Ducks at 10. So, a light schedule. All right, so now from the ice, it's on to the hardwood. Only four games tonight in the schedule. Uh, just have a final here. The Rockets over the Timberwolves, 116-98. to 98. Carl Anthony Towns has 22 points, 16 rebounds, and 3 assists. Eric Gordon, 30 points, 3 rebounds, and 3 assists. 10.41 to go in the fourth. The Blazers lead the Pacers, 76-74. Uh, Darren Coulson has 20 points. Three assists, one steal, and Yusuf Newkirk, 16 points, 16 rebounds, and two assists. Sixers over the Celtics, 89-80. Joel Embiid, 26 points, 16 rebounds, six assists. Al Al Hartford, 14 points, three rebounds, and three assists. And now for the the, um, standings, it goes like this. Thursday's usually a light night in the NBA. All right. So the standings go this way. Celtics are 34 and 12, have a two and a half game lead over the Raptors at 30 and 13. Cleveland is now six back at 27 and 17. The Heat are 26 and 18 at seven back. Wizards 25 and 28 and a half back. Pacers are 24 and 29 back. Bucks 23 and 21, 10 back. Continuing down the line here. The Bucks are 23 and oh, and the Sixers are now 21 and 20, 10 and a half back. Outside looking in, the Pistons have are now 22 and 21, 10 and a half back. The Knicks are 20 and 25, 13 and a half back. Hornets 14 and a half back at 18 and 25. Bulls 17 and 28, 16 and a half back. The Nets 16 and 29, 17 and a half back. And the Hawks, 13-21, uh, 31-20 back. And the Magic, or as I like to call them, the Tragic, 13-32, and 20-and-a-half back. Over to the West, the Warriors are 37-9. Have a four-and-a-half game lead over the Rockets at 31-and-12. Spurs, 30-and-16, 7 back. Wolves, 29-18, 8-and-a-half back. At 11 and a half back are the Thunder at 25 and 20. And a log jam here between the Pelicans, Clippers, and Blazers, all 23 and 21 at 13 back. That's what I call a log jam, all right. All right, further down the list, the Nuggets are 23 and 22, 13 and a half back. The Jazz are 18 and 26, 18 back. And they play next tomorrow night. Suns are 16 and 29. 20 and a half back. Also 20 and a half back are the Grizzlies at 15 and 28. At 15 and 29 are the Lakers. 
Green 29 and a half, 21 back. Mavericks, 21 and a half back at 15 and 30. The Kings are 13 and 31, 23 back. It doesn't get, doesn't get much better. Some teams can't wait for that all-star break. All right, tomorrow's schedule, and it goes this way. Okay, your games for tomorrow night's schedule are as follows. Starting with the 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock game is the Spurs and the Raptors. 7.30 is the Heat versus the Nets. 8 o'clock games are the Wizards versus your Detroit Pistons. The Kings take on the Grizzlies. 9 o'clock, the Suns take on the Nuggets. 10.30, the Knicks take on the Jazz, and the Pacers take on the Lakers. 10.30 game in, in Utah. Should be 9.30, but I guess they want to make it later. Ah, well. Eh, who might argue? Okay. All right, now to the college uh, schedule. Only three games in the top 25, but we still had quite a big schedule tonight. So we'll just do the top 25 first. Number two, Virginia takes care of Georgia Tech, 64-48. to DeAndre Hunter had 17 points, seven rebounds, one and one assist. Uh, Jackson had 14 points, four rebounds, and one assist. Further down the line, St. Mary's upsets number 13, Gonzaga, 74-71. Oof. Jacques Landel, 26 points, 12 rebounds, three assists. And Akirama, 23 points, four rebounds, and three assists. And Michigan, uh, Nebraska beat up number 23, Michigan, 72-52. Charles Matthews had 15 points, eight rebounds, two assists. James Palmer Jr., 19 points, four rebounds, and two assists. Okay, now on to the rest of the schedule. Despite only three games in the top 25, it was still a pretty big schedule for tonight, and it goes down this way. There are several games that are still being played on the West Coast, such as Pepperdine versus Pacific. Portland is with San Diego. Washington is facing Utah. Cal Poly faces UC Irvine. Loyola Marymount is with BYU. Santa Clara facing San Francisco, and UCLA faces Oregon State. All right, so now we'll take care of the rest of the scores. North Carolina A&T edges Norfolk State 71-68. Robert Morris over Sacred Heart 74-60. Tennessee State over Austin 70-56. Greensboro, that's UNC Greensboro over the Citadel 72-58. Mercer over VMI, 62-56. Albany over UMass Lowell, 70-62. Stony Brook over Binghamton, 77-66. Charleston over Wilmington, 80-76. LIU Brooklyn over Bryant, 83-79. Central Connecticut just edging Fairleigh Dickinson, 66-65. St. Francis of Brooklyn over Mount St. Mary's, 81-73. Wagner over St. Francis of Pennsylvania, 73-64. Jacksonville State over Moorhead State, 58-57. Close game. 
um, Belmont over Murray State, 79-72. Niagara over Quinnipiac, 81-73. Hofstra over Delaware, 90-63. James James Madison over Elon, overtime, 85-74. Northeastern over William & Mary, 90-70. Hartford over Maine, 86-68. Vermont over New Hampshire, 67-56. South Carolina Upstate over Jacksonville, 91-85. Kennesaw State over Stenson, 95-81. Cleveland State over I-U-P-U-I, I think it's Fort Wayne, 70-67. UIC over Youngstown State, 82-78. Campbell over Charleston Southern, 62-47. Garner Webb over Presbyterian, 61-53. High Point over Liberty, 71-60. Charles... Uh, Charlotte over I'm sorry, um Florida Atlantic over Charlotte seventy five sixty four. Old Dominion over Florida Atlantic sixty four fifty four. Siena over Marist sixty six sixty five. East Tennessee State edges forum sixty two sixty one. Good game. Ryder over St. Peter's eighty eight eighty four. Good uh, good rival matchup. Florida Gulf Coast over Limpsicum, 88-83. Louisiana Tech edges North Texas, 66-65. North Carolina State over Wake, 72-63. Colorado over Washington State, 82-73. Warford over Sanford, 93-89. Utah Valley over... uh, over Troy, 84-76. UMKC over Bakersfield, 62-59. Tennessee Tech over Eastern Kentucky, 70-67. Southeast Missouri State over Evansville, 86-74. Wright State over Green Bay, 80-67. Northern Kentucky over Milwaukee, 91-64. I call that a blowout. Southern Miss over Rice, 86-75. Mid-Tennessee, Marshall over Mid-Tennessee, 73-63. South Alabama over Coastal Carolina, 60-57. Chicago State over Grand Canyon. Uh, Grand Canyon over Chicago State, 86-58. Yeah. That's ugly. Louisiana over Arlington, 77-68. Maryland over Minnesota, 77-66. Omaha over Denver in two overtimes, 86-80. Texas State over Monroe, 56-52. Eastern Illinois over Tennessee Martin, 80-60. East Washington over Northern Arizona, 81-76. Idaho over Southern Utah, 
USC over Oregon, 75-70. New Mexico State over Seattle, 74-62. Weber State over Sacramento State, 80-64. Portland State over Iowa State, 87-83. Winthrop over Asheville, 85-58. Not very competitive at all. And Western Kentucky over UAB, 77-69. All right, uh, now tomorrow's schedule, and it's a light schedule, as it usually is on a Friday, I guess because everybody plays on Saturday. And it goes like this. Your 7 o'clock games, number 9, Michigan State will take on Indiana. St. Bonaventure will take on Davidson. Buffalo will take on Western Michigan. Iona will take on Monmouth. 8 o'clock, Yale takes on Brown. 9 o'clock, Illinois versus Wisconsin. And Canisius takes on Manhattan. Like I said, it's a light schedule. Well, that's okay. Sometimes it's sometimes it's okay. For a light schedule. So now we'll go on to today's today's news. And it goes starting off like this. Right, starting with this. Canucks forward um, LeBron James and Warriors guard Stephon Curry have been selected as team captains for the upcoming All-Star game. Stars for the East are Joel Embiid, Kyle Irving, DeMar DeRozan, and the Greek Freak. The West starters are Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. That's for the West. The starters were um, determined by a vote by the fans and a small group of the media uh, that was announced today. Uh, the new format allows team captains, without regards to conference affiliation, for a pool of starters and reserves. The reservists will be selected by the coaches. The full team roster will be announced on January 25th. That is a week from today. Celtics guard Kyle Irving, Kyrie Irving, uh, sat out tight game against the Sixers with a sore left shoulder, but an MRI revealed there is no structured damage and may return to action as early as this weekend. Irving has been battling with an increased soreness in his shoulder in recent weeks and is sitting out tight game just as a precaution to get ready for Sunday's game versus the Magic. So, nothing serious to worry about, folks, so don't worry. Now, over on the other hand, NBA suspends uh, Magic guard Aaron Alfano for two games for throwing a punch at Timberwolves forward Nemajaya Bajeka. Uh, last night, the league made an announcement saying Alfano will be fined $32,119 for the two total games, uh, one for tonight versus Cleveland and the other Saturday in Boston. Both players were ejected with 7.54 to go in the first half, just four minutes after both were assessed with technical fouls. Alfano threw a punch, and Bajeka then put foul in a headlock, and both players were ejected from that point on. What is this, a basketball game with the WWE? My goodness. Okay. All right. Uh, sentencing hearing continues in the case of Dr. Larry Nasser. Uh, uh, 
circuit court judge throws out, uh, dismisses rather, complaints made by Dr. Nasser. He told the judge in a letter this week that he was not sure if he was mentally able to handle comments from the women he admitted to abusing decades for decades. Nasser's letter accused the judge of grandstanding and conducting a media circus during the hearing that started on Tuesday. Oh, boy. Where haven't I heard that one before? Uh, Nasser said the judge placed him on the witness box to face the women speaking out against him so that the cameras would also be pointed in her direction. The judge told Nasser that he was the witness that he was in the witness box so that the women did not have to turn to address him while facing while facing the court. Judge Akula said that this is not worth the paper it is printed on. And that this is a bunch of bunk. Well those are my words. And there is no truth to this matter. The judge said this in closing this may be hard for you to believe, but nothing is more harsh as what you have put these victims through for the thousands of hours in your hands. Now, for something that's completely different, a first-grade class in Jacksonville, Florida, is, now, I can say they are really psyched up for this game on, on Sunday. Uh, they create a folder with notes and messages and encouraging words from our first grade class at the Boyles School in Jacksonville, Florida, and was delivered to head coach uh, Doug Marone today, and brought the fold and he brought the folder with him at his news conference. The folder includes a drawing of Jaguars quarterback Blake Bortles. <laughs> I got news for you, friends. Uh, it's going to be a blowout. I mean, it's nice to encourage them that they think they're going to, you know, have a chance. But uh, I don't see it happening. Sorry. All right. On to more news here. All right. The Houston Rockets were shocked and disappointed that Blake Griffin and Austin Rivers did not receive disciplinary action as a result of the events occurring after the Clippers went on Monday night. Trevor Ariza and Gerald Green were both suspended for two games for entering the Clippers' locker room that had turned into a hostile altercation with the Clippers, the Clippers players. According to the NBA news release, the Rockets were very upset that Griffin and Rivers were not disciplined for their roles in the events, leading up to Ariza's anger, escalating that he slammed into the Clippers' locker room, locker room to confront them. <laughs> like, the, you're supposed to go into the opponent's locker room? Yeah, right. The Rockets... Uh, are adamant that the that Griffins intentionally made contact with head coach Mike D'Antoni in the fourth quarter, moments before a heated confrontation between the Rockets coach and Clippers forward and, and the Clippers forward. D'Antoni was arguing a goaltending call, a non a non call on the possession when Griffin cursed at him. According to a source, it veered toward him making contact with him. <laughs> yeah, something sounds fishy with this whole story. To be honest with you, uh, Griffin made a beeline for Dan, for Dan Tony, with double tangles being called 
after exchanging exploitive words. Bulls guard uh, Chris Dunn chipped and dislocated two of his front teeth and was evaluated for a concussion after being taken a hard fall in a loss to the Warriors last night. Dunn was cleared of concussion symptoms, uh, as the team announced, and will be re- and was reevaluated earlier today. Dunn scored 16 points with five rebounds in 30 minutes of play before taking the fall as he lost his balance off the rim following a dunk. The play occurred with just three minutes in the fourth quarter. Dunn stole the ball from Clay Thompson, and Dunn fell face first and was bleeding from his lip after the fall. He chipped several of his teeth but did not lose any of them, but seeing days walking off the court. Uh, there was supposed to be an update as condition earlier today, but that has um, I haven't heard anything since then. Now, you've heard the expression that the show must go on. Apparently, that also must be said for hockey fans, as the Charlotte Checkers, that's the name of Charlotte Checkers, play host to the Bridgeport Sound. Uh, I'm sure some of you are aware of this. We follow the AHL. Uh, they played the game last night, despite the fact that no fans showed up in the stands uh, due to the inclement weather in the area. As six inches of snow fell last night in the Charlottesville area under a winter under a winter storm, with overnight temps that fell to the teens. Uh, people in South Carolina, North Carolina are not used to it like we are, as you probably are aware. So uh, the Checkers elected to keep the fans off the road for safety purposes. The Checkers uh, beat the sound four to three. In this case, I would say they found the sounds of silence. Oh, oh boy, that's bad. Yeah, six inches uh, may not seem a lot like to us as in New Jersey and Michigan, but in the uh, Carolinas, that's a pretty big deal because they don't really know how to handle it much. Yeah, I would I think so. All right, so let's check on the other scores from the other games just to see if I missed anything else because I'm sure there's some games that are just wrapping up. And they go like this in the NHL. All right, in the NHL, there's, I think, one or two games that are just about ready to wrap up. At third period now, Pens and Kings are tied at one with 19.35 to go. And all the rest are final. Yes, all the rest are final. NBA, there is a few games, there is a few games left. If I'm not mistaken. Yes. All right. NBA has two has two games, uh, one or two games left on their schedule for tonight. And all right. Back here we go. As I mentioned, Houston uh, beat Minnesota one sixteen to ninety eight. And now in the fourth quarter, the Blazers are leading the Pacers. Uh, Portland, Indiana, Portland's leading now 95-84 with just about a minute to go. I think this game was just about over. 
All right. So that does it for my notes. I'll hand it back over to you. All right. Just a quick note. Jeff Moss quoted. Jeff Moss, uh, the founder and editor, founder and editor in chief of the Detroit Sports Rag, published an article headlining "Signs Pointing to Ken Holland in Seattle." Um, you got 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 rumors from a couple sources that um, Ken Allen will probably be exiting the organization he's been a part of since 1983 at the end of this season. He's telling the Elon family that he'll be leaving Detroit with an eye toward running the NHL team in Seattle whenever Jet City is granted an expansion franchise. The DSR has learned that the, that Holland has interest in running the future Nirvana's or Pearl Jam's or whatever the team, uh, the future Seattle NHL's franchise. He's from British Columbia, and his hometown is a six-hour drive from Key Arena. It's also not a shock that Holland would decide to part ways with the Wings. That, that's the important thing. Holland has had a tremendous working relationship with Mike Illich, but not nearly as much. Um, with Chris Illich, got got a voice message from Ed, Ed Smith. Holy shit! Yeah, I am so sorry. I was really not trying to do this on purpose. I out for one split second. Oh, I know. I wake up and it's past fucking minute. I am so sorry. That was not on purpose. Yeah, I'm telling Ed we're still on. That was from Ed Smith. I'm trying to get him on here. Um, while I wait, um, Moss was told two years ago by a current Red Wings employee that Holland became so exacerbated, exasperated with Chris all over the team's future that, he's, that he told his staff that Chris could, quote, take this job and shove it, that, and that he would be fine moving back to Western Canada and enjoying retirement. That was before the playoffs streak ended, and the DSR... The DSR has also learned that Holland believes both Chris Illich and the team's fans who are now calling for his head are extremely ungrateful for all he has accomplished in his tenure in Detroit.
So those are those are the updates that the DSR had picked up from multiple sources. So, uh, so, 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 so this rumor is true from from the from that little Caesars manager in Maple Maple and Farmington Hills to Moss that Holland is headed to Seattle. Even Frank Vashner, one of my other contributors here, wasn't shocked. We've got Ed Smith on. On the call on our show. Welcome, Ed Smith. Evening, Ed. Good evening. Yep. Good evening. Welcome. How's everything? All right. Pretty good. Well, that's the only thing that was good. Everything else uh, concerning the basketball was very poor tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michigan uh, got got destroyed, especially in the paint. Yeah, which was a very bit surprising. This is a team that you would think that Michigan was one of the very few that Michigan had a, a little bit of a size advantage on cutting into the night, at least inside the paint. But uh, Nebraska completely took that, took advantage of that. And then some, uh, they very, uh, they pretty much had Mo Wagner in check, which was essentially tonight uh, the one thing that needed Michigan's uh, offense to get going, the one thing that kept that, uh, that engine that kept the motor going, so to speak. Um, and but he only had what single digit of points, or if he scored anything, it was completely in garbage time with nothing left, almost no time left on the clock to really make any much of a debt or a difference in the depth that Michigan was facing. So, um, very poor night, considering the fact that Wagner coming into the night had about what uh, shot very well, especially from downtown. He had seven threes at all. Uh, Combined in his last two games, um, you know, again, which was a, an aspect of his game uh, that you would fig- figured that uh, between the pick and roll and the pick and pop, the screens uh, that they used to set up the shots, uh, it would continue. Uh, we saw none of that at all. Once uh, Nebraska started going, um, they really, especially with that crowd getting them getting involved, it was really not much Michigan to do after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mo Wagner ended up with two points. The only Wolverine in double figure double figures with, was Chris Matthews with 15. Michigan shot poorly at Nebraska, 37.5 percent from the floor, 22.2 percent from three. Mm. They couldn't buy a basket. Meanwhile, Nebraska seemed like they could, they were scoring everything under the sun. And all it looked like it's all about shooting accuracy. That's that's what gets you high percentage shooting. Yeah, and also a better ball movement and better uh, penetration, whether it be taken to the rim or uh, yeah. taking out the open look. Nebraska was far more comfortable doing that than Michigan was, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So the Wolverines... They're off until Thursday at the number three Purdue Boilermakers at seven. 
on FS1. That they played Purdue at home and lost by one, but uh, they're on the road, and uh, the way they per- perform tonight, um, they're either going to come angry or uh, probably going to probably going to get smashed. One of the two. I would suspect with the full week off in preparation, it gives them time to not only yeah. rest but also beeline to cook up something. I would believe. Uh, be more willing to believe that he'll have this team ready for Purdue next week, but uh, the effort has got to be way better than it was tonight. The effort was was severely lacking. This was far. This was a far different team, um, aura and body language wise, that I saw. They went out there and did what he had to do against Michigan State and Maryland, respectively. And, and Purdue, since that one was literally came right down to wire too, uh, we saw none of that uh, fight and fire from, from the Wolverines tonight, which was a little bit concerning. Mhm. Yeah, Michigan beat before the, before that ugly loss. They beat Michigan State by ten. The Spartans in East Lansing, eighty two seventy two, and then they beat the Maryland Terrapins back at home at Chrysler Center in Ann Arbor, sixty eight sixty seven, with with two free throws by Muhammad Ali Abdul Rahman. And and uh, that he he got the foul call and he hit both free throws, which is basically a reversal of fortune of what happened at the end of the Purdue game when you think about it. Yeah, Michigan got some redemption. Talk talk about a good omen, huh? Yeah, or, or a bad uh, omen in reverse. But um, the Wolverines were about were about to lose, but but they came up winning. I think it all came down to essentially how, uh, for some reason, Maryland did not have anybody guarding Isaiah Livers when he was throwing in the ball. You know, Dan Miller put it up in a tweet. He said, "Oh, you always got to no matter what find a way to put a man that's guarding the person inbound in the ball." So it could, in some ways, affect how that how that pass is going to be coming about. You know, for instance, he referenced the Duke Kentucky game from '92, I believe, which was the Kristen Leitner turnaround jump shot game winner at the buzzer. But that got set up because what there was there was not a man in front of the inbounder. So I think right, it was Grant Hill who who made that inbound pass. So I guess that was the reasoning and logic behind Miller's posting. Who knows? He may have had a point, but the point, uh, fact of the matter is this. Michigan, after a close heartbreaker against Purdue, they found a way to scrap up another close win after come uh, to keep their momentum going after a big win against Michigan State, which, by the way, is key because it's the only regular season meeting of the season between those two teams. Um, and as for that one, I, I would it's it's worth noting that now since that one, uh, first of all, with the catalyst of that, of course, was Mo Wagner been doing what he needed to do was far more better than uh, and far more effective than he was against Nebraska tonight. He was scoring points. He was getting involved, shooting threes, even um, sh- uh, showing a little bit of a, a dribble um, handset, so to speak, uh, the way he was moving on the court. I don't, think, I don't know if that was Ward or Bridges that was guarding him, but either way, he made that person who was guarding him look silly. Uh, that might have been the best game he had done this season, and to tend to follow that up a couple of games later with an absolute stinger tonight, was disappointing, but it shows his potential um, when he's on his on his on his point on his game and rolling at at the, at the highest level on all cylinders. 
It shows uh, how much of an effective weapon he can be and why some people are touting him as a possible NBA lottery. Now, obviously, he has weaknesses. He has some deficiencies. Uh, he needs better footwork um, and a little bit more speed, especially when, when guarding on transition and guarding inside the paint. Uh, but he does, again, showcase some tendencies that let you believe, hey, he can be um, a moderate stretch, stretch big. You know, essentially... Uh, some people make it comparisons to to Dirk. Um, I could see some what some of them are saying about that. Uh, he showcases some of that, so he could be very useful on the NBA roster. And if if all goes well, there'll be another first round uh, draft pick that John Beeline has produced, and it will be something he will have done way more better in recent years than Tom the Tom Izzo. In addition to the head to head wins that Michigan has against Michigan State, uh, i.e. Beeline versus Izzo. Uh, not to mention the recent tournament uh, appearances and how Michigan has progressed farther. And if you want to count it, both regular season and tournament, more Big Ten titles. So uh, Michigan has accomplished a far lot in the past seven years than what what people believe when you consider the fact that they share not only the conference but, of course, the state uh, with Tom Izzo and the Spartan basketball program. So, you know, it's a little bit of reversal, role reversal when you consider um, when you – Basically, Michigan football is what is that strong point considering uh, is that parallel to what Michigan State basketball is. So it's interesting to see how uh, the underdog rival, so to speak, in, in, in each different sport has made their mark um, on this series in recent years. Spartans are home against the Indiana Hoosiers tomorrow at 7 on FS1. While the Pistons... <clears throat> Host the Washington Wizards at eight on ESPN and Fox Sports Detroit. Pistons uh, have now lost three straight. They're still in eighth place at 22-21. They uh, lost only by five at the Toronto Raptors. They put up a good fight. Bohan Marjanovic uh, even played over instead of Eric Marlin, who who didn't even play. Marjanovic sent seven points. In 10 minutes, one block, two turnovers, five rebounds. Andre Drummond, another double-double. Um, Tobias Harris with 12 points. Mm. But the, uh, yeah, that, yeah, Tobias Harris just having another game where he's not contributing as much as we need him to. Yeah, which is weird because whenever he scores 20 points or more, the Pistons have far more better success. I remember reading last time I read into that stat, there were what, at least nine and one or nine and two uh, in that uh, time span of in that record of games. Whenever he has twenty or more points, so it's clearly obvious the reason why he has been a borderline, if not um, an underrated All Star uh, vote getter, is what he's been able to do primarily with his offense uh, to help the team as a whole. So when he's not scoring enough points, it um, it really shows because this team is already lacking something with Richie Jackson's injury. Yes, I know Avery Bradley just came back, but he's still, you know, he's, he's only one person. And when you see him combining with the efforts of Reggie and Tobias when all are rolling, then it makes uh, Michigan's offense, excuse me, excuse me, the Pistons' offense uh, quite effective in more ways than one. Mm-hmm. They, uh, They got the Wizards at, at eight on Friday. That's tomorrow, and then they got the Brooklyn Nets Sunday at four. 
They lost the to the Bulls. The the state of the least, they're going to have their hands. To say the least, they got their hands full of the Wizards between John Wall and Brad Beal alone. Not to mention Martin Gortat whenever he's he's on a roll. That that could be uh, present another problem, so to speak. And the Pistons, like I said, they're still without Reggie Jackson, so they're going to be minus one in this in this matchup uh, that they would need in terms of catching uh, catching up offensively. So there are it's going to be a difficult game, I think, or at least more difficult than they would be playing uh, the Nets the game after. Yeah, how about them losing 118 to 107 to the to the Charlotte Hornets on Martin Luther King Jr. Day at yeah, all? Charlotte Hornets, that was embarrassing. Yeah. The defense was uh, nowhere. Yeah, you can point. Yeah, and you can point down on the one thing. If anything, uh, no effort at all, and that went all around. Because there's no way, you know, with, with uh, from what I've seen, uh, the Pistons have a little bit more talent than what Charlotte has this year so far, and it's shown from the most part of the early portion of the schedule, uh, but the effort shown in that game was very troublesome, and that was the reason more than anything why they lost that one. Pistons are now 131 and 154 since Jeff, under Stan Van Gundy, since Jeff Moss wrote his latest criticism article on Stan Van Gundy, which I, I'll bet you have read. Uh, yes, I'll be ahead on that one. Yeah, uh, I think Moss, it at least brings up a, a conversation starters as to what could be the ongoing future, more prominent role that Stan Van Gunny should focus more. Should he focus more on being coach or being the behind-the-scenes, you know, front office guy slash GM or whatever, uh, along with Jeff Flower? Uh, I think if me, I would focus, I would tell Stan focus more on the coaching side of things and whoever, you know, uh, just let the the higher-ups handle the more effective things because if, if Stan was the one that, that's been making drafts, the draft been in charge, draft have had a high, high input into these draft picks the past couple of years, it would explain a, a, a lot as to why they have had some misses, you know. Uh, Stanley Johnson in 2015, uh, not necessarily a good choice when you consider who else went after him. Uh, you could certainly make the case uh, say that uh, this year so far, while while I personally like Luke Kennard, I think he's uh, been a little bit better than I was expecting. Still, seeing the type of season Donovan Mitchell is having so far, you would have wondered, wow, what what could have been to have that guy on the team? So it's it's been obviously more than frustrating to see some of these other players that, that the Pistons could have a good chance on they either passed on or didn't think highly of, and now they're having great success somewhere else. So it's it's definitely bother bothersome to, to see that happen. Mm-hmm. And and we segue to Moss's article uh, on uh, all signs pointing to Red Wings general manager Ken Holland to Seattle, while the Red Wings uh, lose to the Dallas Stars four to two, and and then having three days off of, before hosting the Carolina Hurricanes Saturday mm-hmm. at seven. But but uh, Ken Holland. Is on his way out of Detroit after this season. Moss was told by multiple sources that he he and uh, Chris Illich aren't weren't getting along too well the last couple of years. And Ken Holland has, has been fed up with Chris Illich, unlike his father, his relationship with Mike Illich before Mike passed away. And and since then, think 
things fell apart in the front office, and Ken Holland just doesn't want to be a part of this. He, even he wants to leave mm. himself, and, and it's, it's just time to move on. And, and like not Chris, not not only because not only does Chris Illich have more passion, like I pointed out numerous times, even Ken Holland is sensing it. Ken, Ken Holland is uh, is uh, letting this this Illich thing bother him while he's make, making the wrong moves by himself, wrong roster moves by himself with with the free agent signings, the trades, etc. He is not. He's just not been a good GM. But at the same time, lately. Chris Illich not helping him out, unlike unlike Mike. Yeah, it takes two to tango, and I'm sure as as bad of a job you would think Colin has done is or is currently still doing. You know, uh, it's not like he ha- he has. If there was, if there's one thing that gives him a little bit a little bit a slight edge of slight, of saving grace is the fact that he has not had that cooperation with his owner. Was what you would expect uh, a person, you know, in, in the high ranking of front office or any team to have, you know, to have some type of knowledge to say, hey, they and the owner are on the same page. We have apparently, if this is, if this article is true, and there's no reason to believe it's not, um, you know, we it hasn't been seen, especially since Mike passed away, as you mentioned. So um, it's. I guess I mentioned before, it's two to tango. While I'm still relieved that, listen, no matter what, more than likely, all sides according to Ken Allen's gone, or would we would be gone. It still paints, you know, how much of a bad picture uh, the ownership could be under Chris, not just for the Red Wings, but especially for the Tigers too. In case we didn't know that already. Mm-hmm. Speaking of speaking of which, the Lions are actually likely to land. Matt Patricia as their new head coach, despite all the Giants, all the New York Giants rumors, uh, Mike Patricia is likely headed to Detroit. Pat Shermer has been hired as the new Vikings head coach, but not until uh, as the uh, oh wait, not the Vikings. That that's the offensive coordinator for the Vikings. Pat Shermer was uh, hired as as another team's head coach, but um, that, that's the Giants. Yeah, the Giants ha- hired Pat Shermer, but Pat Shermer still has work to do in Minnesota as the Vikings go to play the Eagles. Now, but, Shermer. Uh, the Lions, the Lions can actually follow, follow the follow exact suit. Yeah, quick question. Shermer, he went to MSU as a player, or he, he just coached there? I'm not sure. I, I, I never even looked into it, actually. Yeah, I just know I, I know he has a connection to Michigan State. I just didn't know if it was as a player or as a previous coach. Uh, that's a good question. That, that that's pretty difficult. Yeah, but anyhow, but but uh, we'll we'll segue uh, to the uh, championship NFC and AFC championship games. But uh, I read an article from ESPN.com. Ezekiel Ansah, the the biggest looming free agent. To the Detroit Lions in all 32 NFL teams. Um, the, the the main question is, is his injury. He he's got a, every 
he's got everything. He brings everything to the table defensively, but uh, he's been injury prone, and that that's the the major question mark. Yeah, and, that's been uh, the biggest red flag for certain. Yeah, yeah, makes the lion makes the lion's decision harder for them to to even put a franchise tag on him or sign him long term. That's what I heard. Yeah, I mean, it would be a little bit of a handicap, you know, if if he put the, use the franchise tag, you know, it's it, it it gives you flashbacks of how you know they couldn't get a deal done with Sue, so he just walked out the door, and you got you know you lost him for absolutely nothing in return. So, it's wondering if that's playing in in the, in the minds of the Lions uh, front staff as they go through this possible negotiation period with, with Ansa. Uh, but the thing with that is, you know. Knowing that what's ahead of them, what they need, because I, I'll just uh, come out and say it, they, they need to draft a defensive lineman no matter what. Uh, I thought this way before uh, this this possible uh, uh, problem popped its head. I definitely still think that now, especially now for certain uh, in light of this news. So, you know, if you were to ask me who I would prefer for the Lions to pick in the, in the, for the first round, well, I understand there's needs at other spots, namely running back uh, that needs uh, dire attention. To me, if anything, the Lions need a, a good uh, defensive lineman that can either, you know, help with the team's uh, issues with stopping the run on defense or give them a more certifiable pass rush. And you want to call me a slap or a homer, you go right ahead. But I think a Mohurst's first-round selection would fit perfectly well with this team. Um now, if Matt Patricia comes more than likely because of town, I don't know if that means we will be sticking with the four three or switching to a three four defense. Either way, I wouldn't mind having any defensive line that had a combination of excuse me, not Zayanta, but A. Sean Robinson, Anthony Zettel, um, for starters, and and Mo Hurst with whatever rotation you want to do with your defensive line or whatever uh, your your edge rusher or whatever the case may be. So, uh, but I will mind adding a Mohurst or whoever, whatever best available D lineman might be uh, at that point with the 20th selection, unless the Lions wanted to trade up, trade up or anything like that. So there's that. And after that, I wouldn't mind if they possibly got a running back in the second round because this running back class seems to be loaded. You know, obviously, you know, the the pipe dream, if you want, if you want to call it that way, of Saquon Barkley, he likely he will likely be gone within the first three or five picks. So um, there's that. So the, the Lions, Lions fans should not have any uh, inkling of thinking about drafting him if he somehow, some way, dropped, dropped the number 20. Now, if he did, sure, you would take a chance on him, but you have to understand why the teams would be passing on him uh, uh, this much. Um, so it will give you a little bit of a pause for concern. But even still, if he's there, yeah, you take him. Uh, but you want to be more realistic as thinking more than likely he won't be there. So I would, I would focus on trying either A, uh, the best defensive lineman available, or if need be the, the, the Martin May strategy of best player available for day one. And then for day two, you go from there, start to fill out your needs more, needing a running back, uh, getting a more capable backup offensive line, um, and maybe a, 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 another linebacker or so to help uh, Jared Davis out on the defense. So uh, that would be my draft strategy, if you want to call it that, uh, as we head towards it. Now, back on the, to the subject of Matt Patricia, you know, I don't mind it at all, obviously. I've, I've completely more than warmed up to the idea. Um, 
when you consider the fact that he played such a key role in uh, keeping Bill Belichick to form on analytics and, and other and, and other things, you know, and of course he's he's got a different, unique look. Um, it's it's not from your normal head coach uh, looking guidelines. He, it's not like a, he's straight out of a, of a how-to manual. He's his own man. He's his, obviously, and he could probably parlay that into being his own coach. So I think uh, he could be a good fit for this team if, if all things considered, if all the right pieces fall into place. Um, and and that's that how I feel about that. Now, again, the only question is to see how much longer do we have to wait before it's formally announced because what? Patricia still has his his team, the Patriots, uh, in the playoffs. So he's trying to give himself one more Super Bowl before he potentially more than likely leaves New England. So if to see if he gets there or not. I don't know if we're going to make it to picks right now, but if you if you were to ask me, uh, I'll take the safe bet and say New England wins the FC Championship, though I would expect a tough game uh, from a very motivated Jacksonville squad, especially with that defense. Uh, it's got the Saxonville nickname and Jalen Ramsey, who's been an absolute beast of a corner. He's already positioned himself to me as one of, if not already, the single best uh, corner in the entire league. And this is only, what, his second or third year? So this is a young man who has amazing talent and potential. And it's basically, uh, if you want to see him as that next Richard Sherman type of level player and character, uh, by all means, go right ahead. Because I see that in him in spades. And Jacksonville, they got themselves a hell of a player, more ways than one, and, and Jalen Ramsey. So there's that. And for the NFC, it gets a little bit tricky. I would be, I would bet you to believe that Minnesota probably has the better team currently constructed because, um, yes, they're the 2C, but they seem to have more of their pieces. And Case Keenum, you know, as, as much as I don't think of him to be quite that good, he's still, he's still their quarterback, and he still made the plays to help put them in the spot, including that last throw, that last pass of, uh, that went for the touchdown. Now, granted, that was aided by Marcus Williams in New Orleans completely botching and missing the tackle completely. Uh, but still, Keenan made the throw, and uh, Stephon Diggs made the play. So, uh, for better or worse, Case Keenum is, is the reason why they're in the spot right now. Um, it's I think this could be a game where anything goes on that one. Um, I almost want to flip a coin with that, but I think because they're at home, I think they'll have – uh, not as good of a defense, but I think they'll be motivated enough by, by the home crowd. I think the, the, the Eagles could do enough to, to pull out a, a close win in a tight, ugly, low-scoring contest. What do so, you think uh, of the Vikings' uh, unbelievable finish, Stephon Diggs from Case Keenum, 61 yards, with no time left on the clock, and the Vikings were about to lose that one, but the, the Saints made a defensive mistake, and and Stephon Diggs took advantage, caught the ball, and took it all the way to the house with nobody open, no flags. The Vikings won. Yeah, and if you Marcus Williams, if you Marcus Williams, when you think about it, you know uh, the way it was setting up, the way it looked like it was going to be. As long as you braced yourself, the way Diggs leapt up to, just to get that ball. As soon as he comes down, all you have to do is wrap him up, make sure he goes down in bounds. And the game is most likely over because he made that catch about six or five seconds left. Considering when that tackle by took place, it would have taken place. It would have easily taken another one or two seconds off the clock right then and there. 
plus with all those players trying to hustle and get down there, try to get set up to spike the ball for one last play, I doubt it would have, if, it would have, uh, you know, they would have been able to get that, that snap off, you know, and granted, even at, even with at home, I don't know if they would have been to get all those players down there without, like I said, having some type of penalty call against them, and then I guess that would enforce the 10-second runoff, and boom, game is still over anyway. Um, you know, they would have hoped for potentially a 2001 Michigan to Michigan State situation if it had come down to that scenario of trying to get that ball off of one last snap or whatever to at least spike in the set of the long field goal. But, yeah, um, Marcus Williams missing the tackle was the catalyst to that touchdown being scored. Uh, you hate to lose in such an agonizing fashion. Trust me, as a Lions fan, I know that feeling, um, and I'm sure you guys know that feeling more ways than one. So, um, in essence, I'm glad to not be a Saints fan uh, for this week because that was an absolute ball buster of a way to lose a game. It was. What a way to lose. I mean, just because, like, you know, I was um, on the phone with another, another show, and just as uh, we run running out of time, I pop on another show, and the touchdown just scroll. Like, you, you think that the Saints had all wrapped up, but then this miraculous miracle occurs, I'm like, what in the world just happened here? Um, I mean, I was my jaw just dropped, and my heart just was beating like was, you wouldn't believe. I was stunned. It was an absolutely we insane ending. It was an yeah. insane event that you'll ever see. I was like, what the hell was that? And when you think about the drive, because remember, the one was down 17 points. Yeah. They came back, you know, took the lead. Minnesota took the lead back with a field goal. Then, you know, with Drew Brees with a minute and some change left, no timeouts or one timeout because, you know, with Sean Payton with those two idiotic decisions challenge that cost him two timeouts in that fourth quarter. That was not a good coaching day for Sean Payton. Drew Brees, though, who literally was a day away from turning 39, still had enough to bring his team down the field and at least get the, the go-ahead field goal. And then, like I said, all Marcus Williams needed to do was just make that tackle on the, and the Saints more likely win that game because I don't think the Vikings will get the ball off for another snap because time was expired on them. So um, lots to learn from that one if you're, if you're a Saints fan. But, uh, you know, just horrible, horrible, crushing way to lose. Yeah. And that season end like that. There are losses, and then there are losses. Uh. The ones that really sting. It's no wonder why urinating tree bashed Saints, uh, bashed bashed uh, what bashed Williams and uh, bashed the Saints team and bashed and bashed Sean Payton for making two costly cha- costly and unwanted challenges. That I think were why- very detrimental. Well, the reason why I think you know obviously he didn't go too long because. You know, he, he saves those those long drawn out ones, i.e., the legacy of failure vids for teams that have had little snow accomplishments at all in a long period of time or in their entire history. And to the Saints' credit, they do at least have that Super Bowl championship uh, in, in the past ten years or so. So uh, that saved them a little bit from the wrath of tree. Uh, that Steelers vid that was was quite hilarious as was as it was entertaining. Yeah, and and then uh, the Jaguars. Uh, Beat the Steelers in in Pittsburgh, and Urian uh, Tree is a Pittsburgh native, and he he just absolutely unleashed on the Steelers. 
with a congrats Steelers video that took six minutes long. It's just extra raging inferno. The whole yeah, the whole that, that, was, that was basically a scorched earth video that he released because that was nothing but pure unbridled anger and rage, and understandable oh, yeah. too because that was just a, a horrible effort all around for mm. Steelers. Yeah, including that Michelin man, Michelin man, Big Ben Roethlisberger. You gotta be kidding me. He, he's old, and he's, with his yeah, motorcycle accidents. He hasn't made that decision whether or not he's retiring, but you know, uh, this would be a fitting end in a way if if this was if this was his last game. He said he had, he actually said he wants to play again. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll believe him when I see it. Yeah, he, he doesn't he doesn't want to quit. He doesn't want to give up. I guess. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think he's got two more good years in him. Mm-hmm. Not he keeps throwing coaches under the bus for for for, for dumb yep. timely decisions. Ooh. Let's talk. Let's talk some baseball. Tigers uh, avoid arbitration with five players: Iglesias, McCann, Castellanos, Shane Green, and Alex Wilson. Nick Castellanos, uh, one year, six million dollars. Get ready for another nineteen air season, roughly twenty air season, uh, and then uh, Jose Iglesias keeping him for. Uh, Six point two seven five million dollars. Um, his his running speed and, and his defense are phenomenal. Are quick and phenomenal. His bat still not there. Still he had a good season a couple of years back, but it's it's not progressing to the point where you like it to be. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the the benchmark basically pulls the Altuve, and obviously he ain't been hitting like Altuve. Right. But uh, they, yeah, they're partially staying the course, or with with the rest of the roster, including Miguel Cabrera and Victor Martinez and Michael Fulmer. But uh, thank God Tyler Collins is gone. He signed a, a minor league deal with an invite to spring training, major league baseball spring training with the Kansas City Royals. Nice, good riddance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get his. Get us bird flipping out of here, out of Detroit, for God's sake. Thank God. Thank goodness for Chef Boyardee. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia Flyers are, are retiring Aaron Lindros' number, while the Red Wings still aren't re- aren't retiring Sergei Fedorov. Which is weird, considering that that one guy didn't do jack shit when it mattered most. And the other guy helped win this team three Stanley Cups during his tenure. So, yeah, yeah. How do you retire the Russian Rocket? Uh huh. Part of the Russian Five: Fedorov, Liriana, Petisov, Konstantinov, and Kozlov. Yeah, most Slava Kozlov. Oh yeah, the Kozlov. Yes. You could credit uh, Hakan Anderson with more of that than you would Ken Holland, also. Oh yeah, definitely. Those were the days. Yeah, those were the glory days. But tragically, they're but they're gone, but never forgotten. Only they return with 
with with some owner and Angie and that that both have new passions. Chris Ellich will likely sell the Chris Ellich is gonna sell the Red Wings. Ken Holland is gonna leave Detroit too on his own power. But uh back to baseball. Um, MLB and the Players Association were talking about speeding up the game with a pitch clock and then the Players Association rejected that proposal. Now the rules were the the pitcher, when the pitcher is given the ball back the clock starts and when when in the first five seconds the batter has to step back in the batter's box but when the pitcher steps off the rubber then and the and the clock resets, which uh, gives which gives the batter even more time, which saves them a little bit of fatigue, which is my only concern about about the game being sped up like that. What say you about that? Um, I don't mind it per se. You know, the, the baseball is such a long game as is. I'm all for speeding it up as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Try as it yeah. may, I don't think you can. I mean, because there's always going to be something that's going to slow up the game. I mean, because, you know, instant replay, of course, has really uh, taken a bite out of that because they keep going back and replaying at the at the play and, like, they got to get a second look at it, a third look, and, you know, so, you know, do what you will, but I don't think it's going to make much of a difference. Good point. That's another good point. So um, I think that I think that's pretty much it. That's that's all we've covered. My Chippewas have now lost four straight. Josh Kaczynski is still the worst player on this roster. He, he should he should be a reserve player if not cut. Head coach Keno Davis still trots him in the starting lineup. Hmm. I, I'm not. I, I have lost all my trust in Keno Davis. Yet all those CMU slaps in Mount Pleasant, especially the students, they cater to him and the Chippewas. They they just don't give two shits. Like like we do. So that being said, Eastern. By the way, Eastern clobbered the, uh, their last opponent. That was. Uh, let me see. That was this Eastern. They clobbered Akron. 63-49 at home in Ypsilanti. Eastern actually had a, a little bit of a better record than Akron, especially MAC conference-wise. But, uh, but to win by for Eastern to win by 14 against any team, it, it's a, even even if Akron's even even if Akron's worse than Eastern, it's still. A little unheard of, but Eastern still had to beat Akron for some reason. Western got smashed by Toledo, and then lost, but 
lost to Kent State by only two points. It's still not bad. No, I'm not guaranteeing it. I'm not guaranteeing Western a good team. They're probably they're probably not a good team either. To tell you the truth, but neither is CMU when it comes to the MAC schedule. This is the the mediocre American Conference. Still, especially in men's basketball. But that said, that's episode four fifteen of the Michigan Sports Truth Post Game Edition. Oh, I just uh, just uh, two more scores to bring you. Oh, that's right. I was gonna pass to you. you. Sorry. Sorry about that. Okay, uh, late game just then. Here's the Blazers uh, took care of the Pacers. 186. Colson finishes with 23 points, three rebounds, and a steal. Uh, Yusuf Newkirk finishes with 19, uh, 19 points, 12, 17 rebounds, and two steals. And the NHL has just finished up their last game of the evening. And it is... NHL has finished up with their last score, and it is the Penguins over the Kings, 3-1. to one. All at right. Staples Center. Yes. That's episode 415 of the post game. I'm away at Ithaca tomorrow night. Good job, gentlemen. Thank no you. problem. Good job. Good job with you. Thank yes. you. I'll, I'll probably take this post game solo since I'm away at Ithaca. Yellow Jackets played the St. Charles Bulldogs in a basketball doubleheader. Uh, episode four sixteen. I will, I will play. I will take solo. Apparently, episode four seventeen will be at eleven. Tell then for Lewiston or and Ed Smith. I'm Taylor Phillips. Follow Ed Smith on Twitter at Ed Smith three one three, and follow me on Twitter at DT two Phillips. And like and share the Michigan Sports Truth Facebook page. TTFN. Ta-ta for now. Bon appetit. Good night, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.